When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Ah, get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Welcome to the Blood and Mud podcast, the podcast that looks at rugby from an angle just to the left of what is normal. I am Lee, and joining me over there, as usual, is... I just about remain, Josh. Just literally just about. I'm fucking hanging on by a thread here. And there's a lot going on. A lot to be talking yeah. about this week, I think. Yeah. Um, Josh, is more ang- I like Josh is more angry than resigned this week, so I'm looking forward to that. Or maybe he's a bit yeah. of both, but he's definitely on the on that scale. He's more at the angry end. By yeah, last week. His eyes. Last week I was kind of resigned. This week I'm proper furious. Right. So, well, we'll get yeah. into all that later on. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, you can get in touch with me at Blood and Mud, or there's Lee at bloodandmud.com and you, Josh. Uh, uh, at Josh Gardner at rugbyshitwatch, uh, com, which I actually published something on today. My so, word, what was it about? Uh, Stade Francais returning to Kappa for 2019-20. Well, you can't deny that is big news. It is big news. They gave out 500 roses, uh, pink roses, at the ground to announce it on Sunday, which is a gloriously French... It's a very stab thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. It's incredibly good, fair play. We're on Acast, we're on Patreon. Uh, I'd like to thank Gary Gorge, yes, a South African listener and pilot, no less. Ah. And he says, uh, and now, of course, a close personal friend of the podcast. I was going to say, he's straight into my list of favourites. Because he's decided to stuff some more green into our collective G-string and enter the Aleb Brew VIP lounge. Oh, well, you're very welcome. Somebody said the other day, is there going to be a jukebox in there? And I said, yeah, and it's going to contain only tracks off the loop playlist. Do you remember the loop playlist, Josh? I do remember the loop playlist. We we persisted with that long before people, long after people really stopped caring. Yeah, we definitely weren't just adding stuff to it because people stopped volunteering songs for rugby related Absolutely songs. But it's still not. there on Spotify. It is. So uh, it's there if you want to, you know, drop me a line if you want it, which you probably won't. <laughs> 
So yeah, thank you, Gary, and thank you to everybody. We he does a little bit of Patreon action for us, a bit of extra support for us all to keep us Indeed. going. We did some extra stuff last week. We started our team of the nineties. Yes, a lovely forty-five minute romp through the nineties. I really enjoyed that. It was lots of fun. It was a little bit more relaxed than usual. I was sat downstairs on my sofa. There was That's a cat. True. It was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's always a cat. To be fair, but. But we weren't even trying to pretend there wasn't a cat this time. Yeah, yeah, he was sat next to me the whole time. It was great. I'll do more. I'll do more podcasts like that. I think we begin as we always begin with a player spotted, John Pulley, long-time listener. Hello, John. Gets in Indeed. touch and he DMs and he says, "My Facebook memories today reminded me of my best stroke worst, not quite player spotted." I just ignore Facebook memories now. Yeah, he keeps telling me stuff and. I don't want to know. It's when I you're making been. ironic jokes about the ironic jokes you made two years ago about something ironic the year before that. It's just too much. It's in, it's like inception levels. There's too many levels, layers now. I basically haven't promote, posted anything on Facebook that wasn't effectively me self-promoting my work uh, since about 2009. So yeah. yeah, I just lurk on there really, apart from yeah, and I just I post so. the occasional thing on the rugby page. Anyway, so he's on so Facebook memories. He said ten years ago today. Mm-hmm. I walked into a newsagent come post office on Great Western Road in Glasgow, which I don't know, but you nope. know, sounds good. Yeah, so inside were a middle-aged couple struggling with an array of SRU-branded back kit bags and backpacks emblazoned with the initials M-E and T-E. Um, okay, continue. At this point, I realised eavesdropping would be an idea if only to find out what the hell was going on. It became yeah. clear that these two were not only the parents of Glasgow and Scotland's banter brothers Max and Tom Evans, <laughs> but also they were becoming increasingly stressed with having to lug their son's stuff around the west end of Glasgow for no reason. I'm still confused about it to this day, why their parents were lugging that stuff around. What I can only assume was that they wanted to go on the fucking piss. and so The Evans they, boys? They dumped, Yeah. So they dumped their gear with mum and dad and said, can you take this in for us? Yeah, what and time of day was it, John? Was yeah. it about tea time after a training session or something? Yeah. Or after the game? But surely they must have ways of getting stuff back to the hotel or back home. The mind boggles. Maybe it was the end of the Six Nations and they literally were just like, all right, boys, you can take your stuff home now. Kick them out of the hotel. Ten they... years ago, that would have been 2009. It was still, mm, yeah. yeah, that was before the injury. Obviously, it wasn't was it, it yes. wasn't that day he got injured and Max went to hospital <laughs> with him. Was it? Know, then he had to take his bag home. But it wasn't. You'd suck sick of carrying this guy's <laughs> shit around. Have you no heart? No, no, I haven't. <laughs> Thank you very much, John. If you want to get in touch with a, a, a very detailed and banal player spotted just like that. Actually, it wasn't even a player spotted. That was so yeah. off the charts and random. Players, kids spotted. Yeah, kids really? and parents spotted. That yeah. was amazing. That's a new layer of, of, of banal Absolutely detail, which I can, to, yeah. I can well and truly get behind. Thank you, John. Uh, we Well, we're going to cover mostly news this episode because yeah, there's this a lot to be, be worked up the about. Most, the most rugby, like the most rugby podcast with the least amount of talking about what actually goes on the rugby field podcast we've ever done because all of the stuff to talk about and it's not just because it's the six nations off weekend but there's just so much fucking shit going on there Um, is so we're going to cover a bit of news yeah the one bit of news that has come out today that again isn't fucking on the field related but i don't think there's any point in us really going into that much depth is this whole fucking saracen's Nigel Ray setting up businesses with his current players, brouhaha, that's uh, emerged on the... Good word. I do like brouhaha. 
basically, Nigel Ray and various other high ups in Saracens appear to be setting up financial companies for the likes of Owen Farrell and Richard Wigglesworth and the Vunapolas. Uh, and then Vunoprop. 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 <laughs> yeah. And uh, Wiggy Nine Investments, of and course. Faz and Of course, something. Faz Investments, because none of these people have ever had an original creative thought about branding. All of that, our Ray's going, you know, it'll be so fucking obvious. Nobody will even believe that it's dodgy because we've literally put your name on it. <laughs> Notice I've not put my name on it, lads. <laughs> well, this is the thing. So the, the Vunapolas one was set up by a business associate of Nigel Ray's called, and it was called Shardan Limited and then Dan Kelly Limited. Um, but then the Vunapolas came on board a couple of months later and it became Voonprop Limited. Uh, it's Vuno basically, Prop. who knows, who knows whether this, we don't know if it's dodgy or not. What it definitely looks like is dodgy. <laughs> When you look at the salary cap rules, it's weird, isn't it? Because you're not actually that whole thing about you know wives working in for the, that's not actually allowed because that is a direct benefit thing. Mm. So that that definitely isn't allowed. So all that stuff around you know your wife works as a receptionist and is paid hundred grand a year, yes. sort of thing. That definitely doesn't happen. Um, however, um, I don't know whether this kind of shell company thing. It's 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 it doesn't because we're not actually paying you. We're investing in a business no, with you. We're is, investing is... in a business with you. We're helping you to manage your career post retirement by setting up a business with you. Um, it looks a bit. I mean, if it's legal, fair enough. It probably if... is. I reckon there's probably something about but the yield. So of it. there's absolutely nothing wrong with it, and they're allowed to do whatever they want, sort of thing. And maybe that's the case. Premier Rugby are going to be investigating it, apparently. Um, the thing is, it's not... If it was... Well, it's how much money is it? And also, you know, if they've only done it for those four players. Yes. And well, Wigglesworth doesn't seem a kind of salary cap blusting man, does he? It is like, well, we've really no, got to pull the stops like up for Wigglesworth. He's a decent long player. Term, isn't it? So um, the Vunapola's property... The Vunaprop uh, is a property company, apparently, that owns... Uh, one and a half million quids worth of London real estate, including, uh, and also has a one million pound bank loan against it. Whereas uh, our Wiggy Nine Investments uh, has eight hundred seventy-five thousand pounds of investment property, uh, with an extra two hundred grand available to shareholders at the end of last year. So, so it's got investment property, which I'm assuming is either is being rented. So is it just they get 50% of the yield or whatever of the rent? I'm guessing so, yeah. Um, but there's also the thing where they basically, Shark Brits and the club co-own the house that Shark Brits used to live in, which is worth 700 grand in Harpenden. Um, and they've also bought a, a £587,000 house with Jim Hamilton. and It's all going off. Basically, there's a lot of things, you know, that... They're either being very, very, very smart or quite naughty. There's actually a, there's, there's, there's a, a podcast called Property Rugby Club. Yes, I'm starting to understand why that might exist now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, because I imagine a lot of people are into property and there's a good rugby overlap. Apparently, I'm yes. not, you know, fair enough, but um, I understand now why maybe more and more players are looking into this. So, yeah, uh, if, by, by the looks of it, uh, the Vinopolas are not natural businessmen because uh, 
Live met Billy. He doesn't come across as a natural businessman. I'll be honest. Uh, no, uh, shareholders are currently in debt to the tune of twenty-four thousand pounds. Um, but you know, spend money to make money, in it. Well, we'll see, won't we? Saracens have come out and said that they readily uh, comply, not just normally, yes. readily comply. Yes, but... and the other clubs in the Premiership have gone. Hang on. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah. So, well, we'll see. We will see. So the, but, um, that yeah. was the news, but really, as I said, the whole thing's going to be the news. Because, so where do we want to go first? Do we want to go to the World League, or do we want to go we to start Wales? with the World League, and then we can really build up my fucking anger. For <laughs> get what's not, going get on your piss on a nice rolling boil yeah. for, for, for <laughs> yeah, when we yeah. start to do the Welsh yeah. thing yeah. later on. The Saracens' sort of possible financial impropriety is just sort of like effectively turning, you know, just just popping the gas on, you know, under it. And yeah. I feel this will bring me up to, an, as you say, a nice rolling boil yeah. before it all spills over. We can make the room for the gravy with this chat. Makes Top it terrible, up. makes okay. a terrible mess of the whole <laughs> yes. uh, by the time we're finished. So, yes, so, the World League is happening, well, or is it? A, well, a version of a World League, I think, is definitely happening because otherwise yeah. it wouldn't have got this far. I don't think the version that was presented first thing on, was it Sunday morning? Seems a long time yes, ago now. Yes, the New Zealand Herald... Uh, published a, a leak of loads of info about it that was apparently the current plan. Then World Rugby counted that that was an old plan. Doubt it. Um, let's, let's look at the facts here. Rugby, particularly in the Southern Hemisphere, is a sport that has massive financial issues. Um, even the RFU made the loss last year, to be honest. But... Oh. In large part, the Southern Hemisphere is, particularly, you know, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and Argentina are struggling because there's not a great deal of interest in Super Rugby, and because New Zealand teams win it every year, and there's not a great deal of interest in the Rugby Championship because, because New Zealand win it. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, but somehow, so this is where World Rugby gets the idea that we need to create more meaningful Test matches, like people up north, like me and thee. Hmm. Most of our listeners, to be fair, are probably arguing that test matches are already pretty fucking meaningful anyway. But I made this point when this was, you know, when when all this engagement with fans thing come out. It's like, you know, everyone said, "Has anyone has anyone seen an engagement thing?" So, well, probably it was a focus group somewhere anyway. But yeah. we're they not the people they're going to engage with. No, they frankly probably don't really give much of a shit what we think because we're just going to keep no. watching anyway. Exactly. So. But like you think about it, like the Six Nations is, you know, the most competitive and. In, you know, oldest championship in the world. You know, yeah. For all of its flaws, the Six yes. Nations is utterly compelling. And to be honest with you, and when, makes money. And when the Southern Hemisphere teams come up in the autumn, they're always great games. And they're always full. But, yeah, but that doesn't do much to benefit the visiting teams, who instead have to deal with three test series of weakened squads that come down under that. To be honest with you, half of even the fans that pretend to usually care about rugby don't give a fuck about. And the June there's test not really, yeah, the June test window stuff, you know, hmm. half the time, a lot of fans don't really care. They're on at awkward times for telly. It's just, but what would, what would, work. what would, um, <laughs> if there is a world league, hmm. what would winning it mean? Why would anybody care? Therein lies the thing. They Cause why would say... you send you like all your first team down? Because you might win a work. Cause is it, is it going to be, is that what they're going to base world cup qualification on? Well, if so, what's the point in having rankings? Well, that was the original, that was the plan that was leaked originally back in October, was that your position in the World League would depend, would 
uh, determine your seedings for the rule. So if you're Fiji and you're currently ninth, and then this World League starts and you're put into Division 2, and you finish well, second in that, which means you are then 14th, Well, that's where does that leave you? Therein lies the fucking rub, isn't it? Like, nobody, I think, is denying that, fair enough, like, particularly the Sanzar powers are up against it financially, and they need to do something to create some revenue for them to be able to compete with the money that's going around in England and France to actually keep their But where does the money come from? Are they... I mean, obviously, Gosper and the like... Gosper, who looks like a cross between a teddy boy and Sam the Eagle from the Muppets, (laughs) has come out and said, oh, TV markets, and we've, we've tested this with consumers and... All that kind of stuff, which I don't doubt they have. I mean, I don't, I don't think. From what I hear, it's Sky and Sky's various associations around the world. I've said what they'll pay more coin. Basically, Sky wants the opportunity to have exclusive rights for all non-Six Nations Test matches outside of. Um, right. So they want to take all international rugby for all of the home nations. And all international rugby full stop outside of the Six Nations, they want to have on Sky, because they realize. I think they realize that, and it's something that I've heard from more than one person, is that Sky realizes that they have fucked it with rugby, and that a lot more people subscribe to Sky because of rugby than they thought. Right. Because okay. Soon, because as soon as they lost the Premiership, and then now they've lost the Champions Cup as well, they've noticed a dent that they are mildly concerned about actually given that it's quite hard to illegally stream rugby because it's not as big a sport it's yeah actually quite a lot of people just paying for sky so that they could watch the premiership or watch the champions cup or watch the pro 14 or watch the top 14 or whatever and the fact that all they've got left now is super rugby and a couple of england tests a year they want to go big you know they realize that bt are in bed with uh, premiership Rugby and they're unlikely to get those rights back for anytime soon they don't give a fuck about the Pro 14 for reasons of obviousnessness um, so they just and they know that international rugby is the big draw and if they can't get the Six Nations which is not out of the question either they could easily bid for the Six Nations as well and if they do that they'll have every single international rugby I think game. if they desperately wanted the Six Nations they would get it because they've just well, got yeah. enough money you know, the, the, B- money the BBC they... can't countenance yeah. Going up against well, the, the sky, but generally speaking, yeah, because so. that's the thing. There is this sort of talk of a basically the Six Nations and the Home Nations unions attempting to scupper this whole plan by basically setting up their own TV deal that would be for the Six Nations and exclusive rights to all uh, Home Nations test matches, regardless, uh, regardless of where they're played in the Autumn Internationals, um, which would effective which would be a massive amount of money they're talking about something like 20 million a season for all six of the six nations so um which would be exclusively with sky which would then take which would then scupper the world league because it would mean that the autumn internationals would have to stay because sky will have paid for them and if obviously the six nations well, they want to keep an autumn window in the world league don't they it's just question marks about how many games yeah. you play and what the games but are that you play it's all, it's all about tv it's like it's like if the world league is the world league then but i think i, I think that then... ship sailed anyway i think it's all about tv anyway there's nobody going to be paying enough through a turnstile to actually justify no, no. keeping the sport going you know that 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 it's which is clear which, it's a case of which desperate 
flail for the most TV money works, whether it's this World League thing, which will obviously give money to the top 12 teams in the world, or whether it's the Six Nations plan to effectively take the Six Nations off free to air, give it to Sky or someone similar, along with all of their other test matches, in which case they have the voting might and the financial clout to basically tell everybody else to go fuck themselves. But the only people who uh, make money from selling the Six Nations to Sky are the Six Nations unions, aren't Exactly. They? But if they do it unilaterally, they're, you know, th- those six home nations carry far more power and money and influence than... New Zealand, Australia and South Africa. What I find weird about the whole thing is that this whole thing, what they've not been very good at, I don't think, World Rugby or anybody really, is is this whole thing around problem definition. Yeah. You know, what is the problem? You know, and what you define. Because actually, I think if World Rugby had come out at some point and clearly said, look, we're losing TV money, people aren't going to games anymore, not as much as they should, especially down south. There's no sort of second tier structure or any tier structure that makes any sort of sense. Yeah. Um, There's no sense of development or progress. Yeah, so the problems that we need to solve are this, and we're meeting to discuss this, so we hope to have a resolution to vote on by X AGM on X date. Yeah. And that would have actually stopped all this leaking, because it, it what's quite clear is that the leak has been rubbish by pretty much everybody to say... And I suppose what we don't know is, has it now been rubbish because everyone went, what the fuck is this? I th- my oh. instinct is that is exactly what's happened. The leak, which may or may not have been a planted leak. It came from the Independent know? Players Union, apparently. So Okay. Because they have, you know, concerns no, about... They've basically gone, this has gone incredibly... They fucked it, really. Let's not beat around the bush. Well, rugby. Like, yeah. For every stage of this, like you say, they should have been real about this is not what they're trying to do is sell it as something positive and exciting. And like, this is what needs to happen, you know, to rugby to become as better than more meaningful test matches, better things, blah, blah, blah. They just need to fucking be real and go, do you want rugby to continue to yeah. exist? We're in an art of the possible situation now, everybody, yeah. you know, <laughs> and I think there's a, and Hey, believe me, I do think there's something about rugby values and idealism and stuff, but Hey, you're talking to somebody who's worked in the, public sector for the past 10 years. I know all about having to be very realistic about what your values are versus how much money you've got. Absolutely. You know, so it's not, you know, I'm not trying to be this fucking idiot just because he thinks there's a, you know, unicorns and money trees and all that shit. But at the same time, and yeah, you know, hard decisions have to be made. They've managed the message appallingly. But whatever happens, it will be a fucking stain on well, rugby base, you know, rugby as a sport can no longer, you know, it can't fucking anyway hold its head up and act like it's superior to any other sport because it's not. But the notion that rugby is somehow a game that's different and somehow a game that has values will be kicked into a fucking cocked hat if what is planned to happen happens because, you know, the level of exploitation that has already happened in the last. 30 years over the Pacific Islands by stronger nations to effectively institutionalize that and say, you fuckers are basically here to come over here, live here for three years and furnish our fucking test teams with big, strong Polynesian motherfuckers. And I, uh, yeah, I made the point. I think I tweeted and I said, you know, um, you know, you're not part of the big lads plan apart from the bit where we systematically come after all your players. We're keeping that bit of the plan sort of thing. And then I made a point about, 
how colonialism's always been kind of a spectre in rugby, but wouldn't this institutionalise it? Now, that was when we all thought on Sunday that this was a done deal, effectively, and that it was a close shot for 12 years, which locked out Fiji and locked out Samoa. Um, and, you know, I got into, you know, as usual, we get into a bit about using words like colonialism. I, another podcast said that anybody who uses the word colonialism in terms of a sports league is clinically insane. Except that rugby was used by the colonial powers to spread colonial influence, as anybody who's listened to our rugby history podcast yes. on the Betrayan will clearly see. Rugby it was massively used as a way to fucking spread yeah. the influence spread of the, Christianity. Anglican to... influence throughout its yeah. colonies. And there muscular, was a there was a, there was a dash for the muscular Christianity, everybody. There was a dash for the Pacific between nineteen hundred and nineteen twenty, and all that kind of like there'd been a dash yeah. for Africa beforehand, and all that kind of stuff. Now, obviously, nobody now is enslaved to play rugby by anybody. No. Okay, no. yes, people from the islands take money that's on offer to them, and who fucking wouldn't? Why, if you were Nick Hughes, why would you not take that money to support yourself yeah. and your family and all of that kind of stuff? But I think the issue is, is that when I use words like colonialism about this stuff, or when people, you know, I think a lot of listeners like this here will either agree, agree or disagree, some will, some won't. But the point is, is that, you know, yes, it's a something of an open market now. People cannot take those offers if they may. But actually, you've got to ask yourself the question, how and why were the structures created Why, whereby this is the only option available to them? There is no option available to a Nick Hughes or anybody else to say, you know what? No, I can earn a very good living staying in Fiji. And that's yeah. what I'd like to do, thanks. That's yeah. not open to them anymore because there is because actually there's still a situation where former colonial powers have a situation where it's easier to somehow bring the resources of a country into them than invest properly into that country and try and make some of it right. Now, obviously, there's only 500,000 people in Fiji. You know, mm. it's going to be difficult to do. I mean, there's an argument to say, well, is it is it the Ponty Preve of international rugby in terms of it's a jokes of a pro league there? It might be a loss leader. I think the Sunwolves is a loss leader, but nobody fucking worried about that, did they? Yeah. And they fucking won at the, at the Chiefs at the weekend. And they might yeah. not need to take 40 grand, of, uh, 25 grand a match to play for England if they could earn something like 10 grand. Yeah. You know, in Fiji. It's a difference. If there's a difference between 20 grand and nothing, and having to pay your own way, which is what currently playing for a lot of the Pacific Islands basically entails, then, you know, it's basically using the fucking carrot of your superior financial power to... Hmm. not You're not compelling anybody, but you're making a very hard offer to turn down. So my point about institutionalising, and our point, is that actually, if you created this World League that was a close shot, which is what we thought it was on Sunday, you would be institutionalising a system where it's never really going to happen that the Pacific Islands are... And now, to be honest, World League and no World League, nobody's doing anything enough for the Pacific Islands anyway. Given the history yeah. of the game, I mean, nobody's doing enough. You know, it's, this isn't no. what the World League would be, would be the final 27 nails from the nail gun into the <laughs> massive coffin. Well, you know, it'll like, be forget it, but actually... But this thing is, you know, through pure shame, um, and shame is very much the, the the only tool left open to rugby fans when it comes to dealing with professional unions. Countries like England and France, I think, and Scotland, were going to tour the Pacific Islands in the next few years. Hmm. Pure, purely because the rest of the rugby world has embarrassed them into doing so. However, 
that's now not going to happen. Yeah, and why is there no... And it's the thing, isn't it? Why is there no vision or plan for the Pacific Islands like mm. there was for, for for Japan with the Sunwolves? Yeah. When actually, who's playing for the Sunwolves? Yeah, they, you know, therein, lies, therein lies the fucking rub. As much as anybody says, oh, well, Fiji can't support a professional rugby team. Fiji, you know, there's, Fiji can support a professional rugby league. If you took 5% of the fucking Fijian rugby players out there making professional livings on the planet and put them in a fucking Fiji-based super rugby squad, they'd be better than the Sunwolves. Yes, they would, yes. You know, and they wouldn't have to, the and they wouldn't world. have to make that choice—a completely understandable choice—about whether I go and represent another nation now, because that means I can give myself and my family security. Because I don't believe for a second that that's what they really want. I've not spoken <laughs> yeah. to them all. I know it's a bit of a leap, but I think most people would like to play for the country where they're from and where their family's from, given the choice. Yeah. Like, let's think. If and therein lies the rub of making, you know paying international players vast amounts of money is the the issue with that becomes you know if you make it a financial imperative for players to play for a certain country then you're devaluing international rugby so that's what i mean by echoes of colonialism of course i don't think that they're all being put on plantations or anything like that but there is you know but the, you know no and and you don't my, are, point, my point is this is not a binary discussion it's not well it's either plantations or it's not you know no. There's elements of if you're not if all you're doing is taking from there, even if it's well rewarded, there's something wrong. And if you're not investing in try, and trying to build something there, that's and even if it fucking fails, even if you said like some was, let's put some money in there, let's develop the stadium a bit, let's see if the government can help us out with that. A bit like fucking the assembly government. We'll come on to that later on. <laughs> let's see if the assembly government can help out with that. Let's give it ten years. Yeah. And if it fucking falls on its ass, at least we fucking know, don't we? Let's give that 12 years instead of... <laughs> yeah. And let's see who does then leave. Let's see if people do want to play wing for France Yeah. and want to play well, number eight for England when there's actually a way of staying at home and earning some money there, supported by the rugby community. We talk about, you know, you can say, no, people aren't... You know, it can be... They can have a colonial vibe without... It does, like you say, it's not binary, and it cre- and basically saying that, you know, in order for something to have echoes of colonialism, you have to put some motherfuckers on boats. That's that's just a straw man, and that's bad faith you arguing. To, you have to go and deliberately give them flu, like New Zealand yeah. did to Samoa. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, stuff yeah. like that. These these things are that. It doesn't have to be that. And it's easy for us that have no memory of this and have never lived through it. Don't have grandparents that probably remember it to so just go, oh, you know, forget about it. Yeah, listen to somebody like fucking Eliota Fumonaspolu. He's belting. He's fuming all yeah. the time. I right fucking into, love how fuming he is. Rightly so, because he basically just wakes up every day and finds a new way that world <laughs> rugby is fucked over. Yet his... another example of somewhere on the shit housery scale for me to get yeah. worked up about today. Yeah, this is we're talking like this is something that's like, you know, just happening because we're going. Oh well, Nathan Hughes comes over here to play for Wasps, and then. He becomes part of the England setup. France, literally, in, one of their plans for the growth and the res- restoration of the French national team was setting up fucking actual French academies on any Polynesian island that the French own or are st- is still technically a French colony. I don't have a French and listener who got in touch. Literally taking them. 
and bringing them to France. A French listener got in touch and did say, just to make a point, it's a little bit different in France because they're still considered part of France as they opposed are. to a former colony. It's however, a small difference, however. It is, it is still basically setting up a thing on an island that probably doesn't have a lot of financial opportunities, finding the best ones that can play rugby play, rugby when they're about 14 and taking them to France. If yes. that's not like... If you don't see how and that's... who fun. can blame the 14-year-olds? Could they think, well, great, I, it's a bit like, you know, fucking college scholarships in American football. You know, let me yeah. try and go and make a fucking fortune and sort my family out. Why wouldn't yeah. you? Of course you it's would. A, it doesn't exactly. affect the fact that the, the decisions are a secondary part to the structure you've created, which mm-hmm. doesn't create and sustain anything. No, and it doesn't create... From. And it's not being done for the benefit of the people who are being basically thrown into the meat grinder of it. And nobody's saying that they've constantly, you know, World Rugby haven't constantly shat over this. They've, you know, there's been some initiatives in there, coaching and stuff like that. But everybody, this is just the latest fucking top hat on the crowning massive turd of how the Pacific Islands have been treated for a very long time. Nobody's toured there, apart from sending a scout to tour to find people. Yeah. that's basically what the tours have been over there and well, this is just another way of then going what so i'll have to, so fiji were ninth in the world i'll have to be put in the second tier of the world league and fight for their lives in existence meanwhile players just leak away and leak away and leak away because nobody will actually fucking address the structural issues yeah and, and, and the fiji rugby like... union have a fucking an answer here you know what's their vision what are they taking to world rugby i'm not just saying it's all done too no, but no, there no. is something about you know it's just a mess it, this is the thing. This whole thing is a mess, and I, I have sympathy for World Rugby trying to get, a, you know, effectively get, you know, and they got this. Bill Bowman's called this fucking meeting in Dublin. Big Bill's come out. I fucking love the idea <laughs> that he's come yeah. out and he's fucking fuming. It's, 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 but that is basically going to get every. I've had to get bloody dressed to come and deal with this bloody shit storm you've created, Brett. I was on my fucking eight KFC burger buckets and sat in my pants watching bloody Love Island. And I had some bloody raspberry ripple lined up for afterwards and everything. It was all teed up and I've had had more joy getting a bloody message delivered by Yodel than you, you bloody get. (laughs) That one was just for friend of the pod, Dilama. (laughs) But I've tried to Uh, make... But I tried to make the point about consumers and... Stuff like that, Bill. <laughs> what the bloody hell does that mean? Australian guys with this new meaning. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off. Nobody believes your bullshit. Bloody hell, in a rush. I forgot to put my bloody belt on and my kecks are falling down now, Brett. Bloody hell, I'm going to kick your bloody mulleted head in for this. It probably went something like that. I wasn't there. It probably went something What it's going to be is getting all of the tier two fucking nations in the world into a room and saying... Yeah, you might think that's piss raining down on you, but don't worry, it's just soothing rain. Soothing, soothing <laughs> rain. It's yeah. You're not being it pissed on. Yeah. Like piss. It might feel like piss, but you're not being pissed on. I assure you, this is trickle-down economics. So anyway, when all the dust had settled from the pants falling down and the interruption of the Raspberry Ripple, Sir Bill mm. basically said... In light of the continued speculation and commentary, I'm convening a meeting of the chairman and CEOs from Tier 1 unions, Fiji and Japan, and player representatives in Dublin later this month to consider the way forward for an annual international competition. Contrary to reports, <laughs> no decisions have been made 
bracket yeah. ever since we saw how shit this went across closed bracket. Yeah. This is an ongoing and complex process with multiple stakeholders, some with differing views. It's you can see why he gets the big jobs, can't you? It's insight like this that yeah. gets Bill the big jobs. Only by yeah. working together in the interests of global game can we achieve something truly impactful. Impactful. He used the word impactful. Honestly, um, I think that, like, they, they some some people in rugby actually believe that people are so stupid that you use the word unity and and people start humming the fucking world in union in their heads and get on board but it's like you're you end up like wrong manager mm. enduring <laughs> image isn't it mm. can it take carnival <laughs> michael jones scoring mm. but there's no fucking like there is no unity in rugby there's the world is not fucking in union the trademark is... <laughs> everyone is out to fucking get theirs in this whole show. And is that, I mean, you know, it's always the same when you bring, you know, the world rugby don't own rugby. It's a load of unions no. coming to get, in fact, the other way around, isn't it? They own it's it's the them. But it's professional sport is that there's a whole lot of So Scotland are going to go, do you fancy voting for relegation, Scotland? No, no, I don't. No. Yeah, Italy, no. do you fancy it? No, 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 oh, not really. No, 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 no. And therein lies the rub. Like, it's everyone's fucking self-interest wins out at every level of rugby union and we can get onto that but like everybody's just trying to fucking like we're a minority sport we're a small sport as much as it feels like we're a big sport sometimes we fucking ain't you know our players are earning not you know a player earns fucking 800 grand a year which is you know three weeks wages for alexis sanchez or whatever and or two weeks wages. It looks a bit like Mako Vodopola. And, you know, people lose their fucking shit. We're not a big sport. Don't forget, Ashley Cole nearly crashed his car at the thought of a £55,000 wage. Exactly. I mean, to be fair, you can't. it's hard to compare to football because it's so fucking out there. Yeah. It's just forget it, you know, but... Then, like, compare it to fucking the least popular fucking sport, like... It, the least popular team sport in America of their team sports, which is baseball. Fucking Bryce Harper just this week signed a $330 million 13-year contract, <laughs> which is the largest contract ever, but was also a lot less than he was expected to get. About his few, I bet he crashed his car. Like, actually, he thought it was an insult. $130 million for one player, for admittedly, for 13 years. And it's a but bigger market, admittedly. But... It's a bigger market, but baseball attendances are fucking terrible. Like, I love baseball, but it is, like, people in America don't care about it anymore. It's like a, a sport in decline, and they're still throwing that. That's, that's the sort of fucking TV thing that we're competing with. And we've got, you know a dozen countries in the world that take it particularly seriously and another fucking 12 that maybe take it a bit less seriously. And we can't compete with that. We've got to be real about where we are. But at the same time, we can't sacrifice everything that makes rugby interesting and special just to fucking chase a bit of cash. Well, it's either special or it's not. So you either yeah. have, you have a vision for what makes it special, upholding that as much as possible within the reality of your economics. And I think that's what's not really happening. Yeah, and you know, P Show. Let's talk about P Show. Who's had the blame for everything? 
Let's talk about, yeah, Gus, Gus Pichot, a man that I used to dearly love. Um, well, he's had but, a blame for everything. Then he came out and did an interview in El Observatore, Observatore yeah. which is yeah. the Observer, but not that, not the British one, a different one. No. And summing it up, basically, he sort of says, well, the issue I had is, you know, what did you tell Uruguay that, oh, to say over the next 20 years you'll have no meaningful games? We have to solve that. Hard to disagree with that. Granted. What was interesting was when he, <laughs> when he said... That by meaning that Fiji have no meaningful games for the next 20 years. And then he said, what, what about the Six Nations and all of this? And his response was simply, I can't speak for the Six Nations, you'll have to ask them. And therein lies Which the Which basically fucking... <laughs> You, there's a, there's you a lot can't. of rubs there in this week, Josh. Every yeah. point has, has a rub there in. Yeah, and therein lies it. But like <laughs> everyone's trying out, you know, the Six Nations are looking out for themselves. The Six Nations do not want to fucking elevate Georgia or Fiji or Uruguay. The Six Nations want to make fuckloads of money for the Six Nations. And this is why I'm saying there's no fucking unity in rugby. Everyone is out to fucking get their bit. And they will fuck over everybody else to get there. Pichio says he would never agree to no no relegation ever, and that he's very much like that's and why he yet, fought so hard for to get Argentina into the top table and, and all yet, that stuff. Weirdly, USA rugby is bafflingly, given how shit they are, being parachuted into this top tier, and Gus Pichio is on the board of USA rugby. Nobody said in that interview that he wouldn't make decisions like that. So there you go. Okay, good. Oh, that's fine then. <laughs> Yeah. No, I, nothing, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do anything like that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. There's nothing that absolutely reeks about that at all. It's just. It's well, just they want to bring the biggest TV markets in, don't they? Of course they do. You know, the reason that the money touted is being touted is because the fucking USA is involved. But given nobody Japan watches before. rugby in the USA, I don't. I, I, I'll have to admit, I don't know enough about what would they offer given no fucker watches it anyway. It's not like it's a kind of bidding so war in the US, is very it? Very few people watch it comparatively. As in a percentage of the population, but their population is 340 million people. Yeah. You know, the entirety of Wales, you know, if if 1% of fucking yeah. America Fair enough. It, it's much more than... It's like the entirety of... It's all of Wales sitting down to watch it on a Saturday exactly, night. Exactly, yeah. And I get that. And if you throw it's Japan so... in there as well... It's easy I for us to sit the financial in. imperative. I really do, but rugby has got to be better than this. Rugby's got to try and do better than this because what does better than this look like? Then have we got any idea? I don't know. I haven't written anything down. This is not a kind of pre-planned question. <laughs> what does well, better than this? I think I've started drifted towards it earlier, saying I think there needs to be well, I think a long-term world... plan for Fiji and Samoa, and then actually yeah. you could maybe. I don't know. I think that I think that if they if they said, look, there's a twelve team and it's bo- and it's boxed off because we're going to make a load of money, but alongside that, for the next ten years, we're going to invest this into the Pacific Islands, which means that then they'll get a place in ten. You know, that well, would make me feel better. The thing that would make me feel better about it is fuck this World League shit because we haven't even talked about how it drastically devalues the World Cup and it's going to there is burn, that, yeah. burn players out like a motherfucker because that's other things on top of the silliness, but. There's just change touring, so make make a touring schedule for every Northern Hemisphere team where they go down, and instead of doing th- three test tours in the summer, they have to play one tier two nation at home, and two, and they have to also play Australia and New Zealand. That then gives those games the level of sort of win or go home intensity that 
the mm. games when they come up to do the northern tours do and make and also make sure that every northern team when they you know on their fucking four test november tour they have to play a tier two nation as well which already happens and so then every tier two nation is guaranteed at least one or two cracks at a big team every season and you isn't know? it better to leverage it and invest the money to to make i keep going back to fiji because they're the kind of obvious ones but making them consistently better by having a proper team on the island and keeping players there which means that they would then become very good would make more meaningful games yeah it's i don't know it, it's not easy i'm not saying it's easy for world rugby it's right? not easy i think and I, I have little very little sympathy for them because they've got they've got a load of fucking time and money and expertise to not make such a mess of getting a message out there and the fact that people grabbed hold of it like it was a lump of shit and smeared it all over the walls is not the fault of the people who've done the smearing in my view no it's exactly. the fault of the people who just fired a lot of shit into people's living rooms which is basically what happened yeah and if you say oh well they didn't they leaked it well they you know if they didn't know it was going to leak they're fucking don't stupid. Fucking don't fucking tell anyone then. They're stupid. Yeah. You disturbed Bill in his pants eating his fucking KFC. You didn't want that this weekend. Yeah. So there we are. Fuck knows. So there how we to go. Fix it. I don't know what That's the answer is. Fuck knows how to fix it, but it sure as shit ain't this. Yeah. Go yeah. back and start again. Yeah. Must try harder. <laughs> this is like. A... Yeah. Oh right. I'll leave the last word on that to Sean Kerwin, listener, who said that we're doing shit good later. But he said, shit, was the fallout from the mess that is the World Rugby League. Players pissed, fans pissed, the island's pissed, Gus saying it wasn't me, Gusper sounding like Trump, Gusper sounding like Trump, including using exclamation marks in his tweets, and blaming the Six Nations. Full stop, just a fucking mess. Full stop. Fucking mess. That sums it up very nicely, Sean. We should just read that out instead of talking for yeah. 40 minutes. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Ah, ah, get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. The one and only Sausage and Egg McMuffin from McDonald's. With a freshly cracked free-range egg... Perfectly seasoned sausage and oozing cheese. Mm, that's unreal. What she said. McDonald's. Breakfast done properly. Speaking of fucking messes. Speaking of fucking messes, let's talk Project Reset. <sighs> so, as we, shortly before we came on air tonight... um. So thereby, by the time you listeners hear this, tremendously out of date already. Judging by <laughs> yes. this stupidly, you know, this has probably all changed. Now you talk about managing the message. The fucking WRU have got this down to a T, haven't they? Honestly, they, they literally, if Martin Phillips came out and wrote down his plan for Project Reset in shit on in giant letters on the side of the fucking Millennium Stadium it would somehow be more of a elegant, dignified way to fucking do this than the fucking shambles that we've had in the last two weeks. It's very easy to forget in all this that Wales are two games away from a fucking Grand Slam because nobody, least of all, unfortunately, the fucking players who've got to go and play Scotland on the weekend, 
I've talked about anything else since the England game, but what's going on in Welsh rugby? Like, and now, so the current plan apparently that is according to a couple of people that I've spoken to. It's like they're all in a gigantic fucking redundancy um, consultation period, isn't it? It feels (laughs) feels like that. I've been in fucking redundancy consultations. And weirdly, as a fan, I feel exactly the same, in that you can't (laughs) do anything else. But fuck it. It's that situation where you're in consultation and all you fucking do is go to work every day and spend all day fucking talking about how you're going to get fucking shit canned instead of doing any work. (laughs) And what's the point? I'm going to go full Bill Beaumont to say in KFC and Rasby Ripple. Fucking point, exactly. And so, yeah, it was shocked that the Ospreys lost 45-5 away to Connacht on the weekend when they literally don't know if they're going to be able to fucking pay their mortgage in a month's time. I cut you off when you were talking before. You said that people you know have said, go on. Oh, yeah. So a scoop. Go on. I've talked to a couple of people who know things now and everything that's come out today of an Osprey scarlets merger is a done deal. Now, is this, Andrew Millward came out about just over a week ago. He said he was very happy with the outcome of the decisions. Is that what that is? It's all changed, mate. Nothing, nothing that was said last week <laughs> is true now. So what was said now could be not what, true tomorrow what morning. What was said last week was that for at least another season, the Ospreys will continue to exist and that Welsh Rugby will carry on with the same level of funding and the same situation that it's currently got for another year. Now, unsurprisingly, people, not less players and fans, were a little bit dissatisfied with that, given that... Sorry, I need to drink something to... He's to wet his tonsils. It's the fire that's coming out of him. Yeah, somewhat fucking dissatisfied that the WIU refused to fucking guarantee the security of its most successful region, a place where half of the fucking Welsh squad comes from, and its most fucking fertile talent area... So why, why are they so keen to fuck the Ospreys off, given all um, of what you've just said? Basically, because Cardiff are effective. They own the Dragons, right? So that can't fail because that'll be their failure. Well, because they own it, so they can do what they want with it. Right. The Blues very nearly became owned by the WIU last season when the WIU were going to take over them while the Arms Park was being redeveloped. While that never happened, the Blues are effectively in the pocket of the WRU because they basically forced Peter Thomas out. They have effectively put their own people in charge there. So the Blues are, for all intents and purposes, you know, tame as far as the WRU are concerned. Hmm. Scarlets have, through their success and through the strength of feeling towards rugby in that part of the world, have a strong cadre of independent investors who are basically helping the Scarlets to remain competitive, despite the fact that the WIU isn't giving anybody enough money. Um, And so they are financially quite robust. Right. The Ospreys are not. The Ospreys are nobody's friend in WIU headquarters because basically between the Ospreys and the Scarlets a few years ago, they managed to, when this whole fucking mess happened last time, it was the Ospreys and the Scarlets that basically forced the WIU to back down. And there's a certain level of ill feeling that remains there. And the Ospreys also don't have any investors left um, because people like Mike Cuddy and stuff uh, pulled out a regional rugby about 10 years ago. And so there's no fucking money. And so the Ospreys are basically vulnerable. So there's no, you know, if the WRU withdraw funding or withhold funding or 
delay funding as they did in January, hmm. um, then, you know, if the, if the Ospreys hadn't got an emergency 500 grand fucking gift from an investor, the Ospreys would have gone to the wall in January because the WIU withheld funding is what I heard. Um, I don't know if that's true, but that is what I heard. So, yeah, they're basically the most vulnerable one that can most easily be... They can. The reason that they were happy to the WRU said, that's fine, we'll leave it to the next season. Because they know that the longer that they wait this out, the more likely it is that the Ospreys go bust. And then, as with the Celtic Warriors, they can just come in, pick up the pieces, reassign the players to wherever they want to go, and move everything up north to have their glorious pie-in-the-sky North Wales region that will have seven people and a fucking dog watching it every week. I live in North Wales, right? And, you know, I don't pretend to be an expert on this. I just talk about it every week. But I will say, you know, that a pro- professional team up here is a really, really, really fucking stupid idea <laughs> and based on absolute fucking nonsense. Well, RGC, the whole RGC project has been going for, what, five, six years now? Probably more than that. Yeah, and has, vir- and has basically been bankrolled and virtually... It's been, you know... I mean, there's photos of them on a Monday and Tuesday in recovery sessions in the bats and shit. Yeah, the WIU. You know I mean? Lads who are playing for a bridge end are not doing that. How many, They are averaging gates of under 2,000 people a match, about 1,600. Which is a end. decent crowd for that it's level a of rugby. Crowd, let's, not, still, let's not, you know, I'm not trying to stick, not, a, for, stick a boot in here. That's a professional team level. They also sit ninth in the Premiership at the moment. Hmm. And they've produced from their youth ranks exactly in the entirety of their existence one Pro 14 standard rugby player which is Ren Williams who's now at the Blues now they've yeah. also played Abel some Bagshaw part plays in... the sevens doesn't he yeah and they've played they've played some part in developing James Lang and Jacob Bottica and Ollie Cracknell as well although with all of those and Rob, you could Rob McCusker predated them didn't he he came yeah, yeah. he mould to the Scarlets didn't yeah. he and yeah and James Lang came from Quinns to go to RGC because nobody else wanted him and then went back to Quinns Jacob Botica, similar route. Ollie Cracknell came from Leeds, right. um, and then went to the Osprey. So, in like, a way, it's kind of working. It's working at the level that it's at, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? Sense that they've made one Pro 14 caliber player in the seven, six, which seven then years. also speaks of how many clubs are there throughout the entirety of the North Wales leagues. Yeah, not many. No, relatively speaking, compared to, for example, I don't know, Glamorgan. Or even one of the valleys, there's yeah. not. It's a shit. Like honestly, it's a. There like the, the reality is, of course, there's never been enough money in Wales for domestic rugby. Even since it went pro, like. Well, it was bankrupt the, in twelve months. Yeah. The second that rugby went professional, Wales hasn't been able to support afford to support domestic rugby. Well, like, and I'm I'm sorry to do this, but if you want to have a bit more of information about this. There's a Patreon episode on the 98 yeah. Rebel season in rugby when Cardiff yeah. and Swansea said to the WRU, stick it up your arse and fucks off to England yeah. for a bit. Yeah. Which actually, we cover in a bit of detail exactly what happened. When everybody yeah. was fucking broke. Yeah. By like, 1997, was, everyone was broke. It was easy to keep 20-odd fucking clubs going when you had to pay the players about 100 quid a week and you charge 1,500 people a tenner on the door to get in. Like, yes. by the late 90s... Welsh domestic rugby was bankrupt. Graham Henry and Steve Hansen both wanted fucking a system that mimicked New Zealand because it worked really well there. But because of, and you know, you look at what the original plan was, and the original plan was 
four centrally controlled regions representing, interestingly, the East, based in Newport, Cardiff and the Valleys, based at the Arms Park, West Wales, based in Llanelli, and North Wales, based in Wrexham. Hmm. Now, that sounds awfully familiar, doesn't it? But the idea was that they employed 120 centrally contracted players in a sort of New Zealand-style model, and then every club in the region that was underneath them basically acted as a feeder system and made use of centrally contracted players when they weren't required by the union. Basically works exactly like New Zealand rugby does. But because of Welsh rugby's ridiculous politics, the clubs wouldn't go for it. And so we ended up with the weird compromise that we're at today. Like, I get it. It's imperfect by Mm. anyone's standards. It's a shit. Like, but they've learned nothing from, like, the Celtic Warriors folded in, what, 2004? Like, that basically effectively destroyed the Valleys as a rugby area, right? Like, the region was barely a year old when it was wound up, and yes. yet every person I know who's a Ponty fan to this day hasn't got over it. They're not just apathetic to regional rugby, they're actively and gleefully fucking hostile to the whole thing and wish nothing but the complete demise of Welsh rugby <laughs> for what was done to them. And I sympathise. But imagine doing that to the same area that's got even more people, even more rugby players, with a large fan base that spent like a decade or more. And some history and legacy now. Yeah, they they are the most, you know, somehow in spite of the fucking comically shit bit, you know, compromise that was regional rugby, we've somehow ended up with, what, six league titles, two European Cups and two Anglo-Welsh Cups in the last 15 years. Four of them from the Ospreys. Like... It's it's just it makes And even me without so... a success, the Ospreys are probably the one brand that have kind of drunk the Kool-Aid on it. I don't mean that in a negative way. They've no, kind of gone, true. you know what, let's fucking do this then, shall we? Yeah, they're the only they're the only region that is effectively you know, some people would still say that you know the Ospreys only really represent Swansea and that they neglect Neath and that they um don't care enough about the clubs outside of the region, but in terms of branding, in terms of it's general, about attitude, twenty minutes away, isn't it? I know it's a bit fucking much, isn't it? <laughs> but I think that the Ospreys are the only team in the regional era that's properly just gone. You know what? Forget about everything that went before. We're a totally new thing, and actually, really stuck to it. You know, the Scarlets are Llanelli. Yes. You know, yeah. Their they're... fans consider them. That's why their fans are kicking the fuck off on Twitter tonight. Because, <laughs> because the plan for this Ospreys Scarlet's merger that is apparently now nailed on and happening will not be the Ospreys being absorbed into the Scarlet's, which I think a lot of Scarlet's fans assumed it will be. At the moment, the plan is for it to be a totally fucking new team, which, according to incredibly unreliable rugby gossip, Denzian fucking Neil Fissler, the working name for this team is apparently the Scarlet Ospreys, which is one of the worst things I've ever heard in my fucking life. Um, <laughs> Scarlet Osprey sounds like a drag act. It absolutely does. And and it will be a drag to... Hey, uh, come on! Get, yeah. Try and get the branding done in time. Um, Imagine the number of sponsors there'll be on that shirt. You've got to merge those two sponsors together. <laughs> It's this is a new company, so all previous contracts avoid, all previous sponsorship deals avoid, and they're talking. The WIU unless you get a withdrawal agreement, of course. Yeah, 
they're, they're actually talking about. Like, I thought, I assumed when I heard this, oh, well, they'll stick to the plan for next season. Ospreys and Scarlets fans will effectively have a year to say goodbye, which will be incredibly bittersweet and sad, but whatever. At least it will give you some semblance of closure. To sort of <laughs> closure, go the, yeah. <laughs> go down the Liberty one last time, etc., etc. But they're talking about doing this in September. It's fucking, well, August, really. It's fucking March. Imagine how bad the kit's going to be. They've got that much time to design it. The, the Scarlets and Ospreys next season's kits are probably already being fucking made. I mean, like the thing they, is, I'm making a joke out of this, right? Because I have no dog in this fight. Yeah. You do. I'm genuinely... I mean, and, you, and you had to give up, give up, Neath, but move to Ospreys, yeah. thought, fuck it, you know. Yeah, I sort of went, I didn't like it, but I was like, you know what, I'll give it a go. And I've... It's... So is the plan then now, with this merger... Yeah. And then the Cardiff thing, and then Newport... And then are they still going to go ahead with the North? I've just dropped my pen. Uh, I, think, I would imagine that is the plan, is that they will set up... I mean, the North, man, what the fuck basic, are they doing? Their basic plan, they, there isn't... Because they, they claim that, despite the fact that they've been fucking paying off the Millennium Stadium debt at a rate higher than they needed to for the last 10 years, that there is no more money available for domestic rugby in Wales. Um, and despite like, the fact that it's... Um probably the best time to borrow money than there has ever been in the past 50 years in terms of interest rates and everything. All that sort of stuff. I'm not saying that uh, we should hock themselves up in a nightmare. But, no, there is... no. but you know, speculate to accumulate in that regard, you know. Um, so what, they, what the original plan was is that there would be sort of two effectively full-fat teams where the bulk of the senior Wales squad would be concentrated and then there would two, be two effectively development teams where they would get the bulk of the young up-and-coming players, the, you know, augmented with some players who are probably a little bit long in the tooth but can be useful for a, from a learning perspective. So Connacht. Yeah, so basically the whole, the whole fucking root of this problem is that the Welsh clubs and the WRU decided to adopt an island model instead of a New Zealand model because they thought that the island model would work better. But they did that without buying all of the fucking teams first, which is what the Irish have done and made it so successful. Hmm. But yeah, so the plan is for two development regions. One is the Dragons, one is in the north. Um, the Blues will become one full-fat region and we'll get, presumably, you know, most of the current good players at the Dragons. So, you know, uh, Ross Moriarty will probably go there, you would imagine. Um Halame Moss is already going to the Blues. Um, Tyler Morgan, you would imagine. Harrison Keddy, all of these sort of good mm. players that are on the fringes will be basically used to make the Dragons better and the Ospreys will smash together with the Scarlets and create, to be honest with you, a fucking unbelievably good team if you combine those two teams. Yeah, um, indeed, yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm prepared to... Like, I'm not sort of so tied to the... Like, I'd be, I'd be very, very sad if the Ospreys don't exist in four weeks' time, um, which is what's looking like happening. But, you know, I'm prepared to roll with those punches because I've been there before. You know, I've already yes. had to, I already had to say goodbye to Neath twice, effectively. Uh, mm. Once in 2004 and now again in 2018, watching them fucking go down into, you know, an unbearably shit situation down there. And, you know, I've... If I have to do it with the Ospreys, it's going to be shit. 
but I, I'm not opposed to following a fucking team based out of Flanetti, provided that it doesn't, they're not fucking called the Scarlets and are effectively Scarlets in all but name. Like, if they do make something that's new and generally, genuinely, I should say, representative of the entire of the fucking West from, you know, I feel that it's, it's time to bring back the Ocelot plan. I completely agree. Let's do that. The West Wales Ocelots Absolutely. is the fucking way forward. And it even has like kind of a little bit of Scarlet and Osprey in there. Yeah, yeah. It's better than the Scarlet fucking Ospreys. Jesus Scarlet Christ, Ospreys, what a terrible man. name that is. This will be but, a nice bridging position, won't it? No, 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 it won't. Yeah. But the, they, the, this is the thing. They could spend a season, right? Like, it would be very sad for both Scarlet's fans and Ospreys fans to spend a whole season basically sort of saluting the last 15 years of rugby in Flanathley and in Swansea, respectively, knowing that it's going to end. However, they could spend that year actually making it a fucking good brand. They mm. could they could get, they could have a competition right now to pick the name and more intelligent people than any fucking marketing agency will suggest a good team or- name. Rugby rugby face might win. Either way, we all win. Either way, it's fine. <laughs> they can spend a year working on a kit that, you know, okay, maybe it's pro- as long as it's red and black. Maybe they make it red and black hoops. How good would that look? Belting. Genuinely belting. Absolutely fucking belting. You know, you make it clear that it's, you know, the, the colours of the club should be red, black and white. Because. Yeah. You know, the Scarlets were always red and white. Well, Slathy was always red and white. Scott Swansea's white. Neath is black. Uh, and Bridge, you know, we can have a blue away kit for Bridge End if they're that bothered. But what this, you can't do that in six months. You can't brand an entire fucking sports franchise in six months. That's mental. And you also can't take away someone's club with four games left in the season and then expect them to get on board with the new fucking team and the new fitness three or four months later. It's like, you know, we're going to fucking judgment day, right? We are going. Yeah. That is Everyone grab a ticket. If you want to come along this, this kind yeah. of Josh, Josh, you know, fatalist well, banter will be all over his last ever game now. Presuming nothing changes in the next four hours, which is possible. But as things stand, that will be the final game the Ospreys ever play. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Nice to spend that together, won't it? Yeah, lovely. (laughs) And, you know, and the Dragons game the week before will be the final Ospreys game ever played at the Liberty Stadium. Now, that just feels wrong. Like... I'm I'm kind of, I'm I'm so fucking institutionalized to the batshit of Welsh rugby, right? I can get on board with them taking my fucking team away from me, months notice, and fucking tearing up everything of 15 years worth of success of producing more fucking Welsh squad players than anyone else, of having more success than anyone else, and just basically throwing that in the bin for a fucking insane plan to fucking put a fucking region in the north where nobody will care because everybody goes and watches fucking Liverpool and Everton up there. They don't give a fuck about rugby. Like, I can get... I'm so institutionalised, I can almost get on board with that. But the fact that they're just going to do it and try and fudge it in six months, it's just the fuck... It's, 
it's the kick in the bollocks following the fucking knife in the back, you know? Mm. It's just, I get it. I get the financial, like we were saying about the World League earlier, I get the financial reality of everything. But there's ways and means of conducting yourself, and the way the WIU is fucking conducting itself is, to be honest with you, a cunt's trick. It all comes back to that, doesn't it? Can we also shoot this fox about the fact that there's, you know, I want to be very clear about this. There aren't a million people in North Wales. <laughs> well, yeah. There aren't. People, there's been a lot of people saying that to me, that there are a million people in North Wales. There are not even close to a million people in North Wales. There's, at best, probably about maybe 600,000. Possibly a bit north of 600, but you're going yeah. into the real sort of like, you know, you're going into like what do you class the harlocks of this world. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of, in terms of the people who will actually go and watch, you're looking at, the, you're looking at a bit of a coastal strip, really. Flinch yeah. has got 155,000 people, but they all go and watch Everton or United or Liverpool yeah. or whatever, as you said. But um, I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah. there are people who play. I mean, there's, there's clubs here. There's Flint, there's Mould, there's Shotton and all that. that there are no, you know, I'm not actually saying there are no rugby fans. No, of in course North there are. There's 1,600 of them. They all go and watch. Well, yeah. Conway's got a population of 25,000. The city, yeah. Yeah. Like, if every single one of those people went it still wouldn't be the Ospreys' record attendance. Yes. Well, Conway Council's got 116,000 people in it. Yeah. A lot of them literally like live near the top of mountains. Yeah. Conway goes quite a long way down. You yeah. Know, De- Denbyshire's got Rill in it, but it's also got Clangothlin in it, which is virtually yeah. mid-Wales. You know, it's just... I guess that they're, they're bleeding the... You know, the Welsh Assembly are basically stumping the cash for this, right? And that's the, re- the reality of why they want it, is the Welsh Assembly wants... Professional rugby in North Wales. Are they interested in fucking about with sport again after that ridiculous circuit of Wales balls up that they made? I think made? that possibly is why. <laughs> because right. they haven't got any kind of fucking bauble to show. They're so <laughs> proud of fucking the Zip World Stadium. Despite me having heard mixed reviews of whether it's actually a good stadium or not. I've been. Yeah? How is I, it? Well, I, I went to the Wales Under-20 game there. And I got tickets quite late, so I was stood behind a fence on the running track behind the goal. So, I mean, I it was okay, but it's not. A, it didn't feel like a pro rugby experience to me. And, I, and they've got the thing is, they've got an indoor training ground there because Combi Council have paid for a load of stuff. They've got, yeah. you know, pools. They've got, you know, so there's, there's facilities and everything there. But yeah, and it's, that's it's, kind it's, of... it's not an Arms Park or a Liberty Stadium or a. You know, it's well, no. it's not great. I mean, let's be honest. Like, yeah, I love the, I love but the it's location and all that. There's a different a thing place going on there, isn't it? And, and it's history. Shit. Yeah, and like, it's it's just so stupid. It's just so stupid. It has got the kind of there's probably not enough toilets thing here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When you look at it, there's not enough toilets and. Entry wasn't great. The queues to get in are just a bit disorganised. It's all it does it because it was built as a municipal athletic stadium. Let's not pretend it's anything but what it is. It's a municipal yeah. athletic stadium. With they've, the turned, they've turned into an, uh, the home of Wales under twenties in a long term. And that's plan. good, you know. Nobody can argue it's with that. It does give something for the North Wales, and it's become a quite a you know a, a you know a bastion of fandom up there and stuff. And that's yeah, that's and, fine. But... And that's thing. None of this is to piss on North Wales. As a, no, just so recognise what what what's the realistic. The reality of what it is is yeah. that it's not fucking like this. Isn't how you do it. You don't take Swansea, right? 
has produced more fucking rugby players in the Wales Six Nations squad now, right? And not I'm not just talking players who play for the Ospreys, but players who were born in Swansea hmm. and players who were born in Pembrokeshire combined is more than two thirds of the Wales squad. Yes. There's only three players who were born in Cardiff, one player that was born in Newport. Zero players that were born in North Wales. More players were born in New Zealand than were born in Newport. <laughs> and yet... <laughs> A different kind of new altogether. Yeah. And yet, here's the WRU basically going... They're looking at numbers, and they're going, well, Newport's got a big population, and Cardiff's got a big population, and Clenetley hasn't really got a big population, but if we give them Swansea as well, that's a big population. Mm. But what you're looking at is, you know, Newport's a football city. Cardiff's a football city. Yes. Swansea is kind of both. It's engagement, isn't it? What percentage of those numbers are you engaging <laughs> exactly. in the game? People from Swansea play rugby. People from Clenetley play rugby. People from Camarden play rugby. People from Cardiff do play rugby. People from Newport do play rugby. But, hmm. you know, 20,000 people go and watch Cardiff City every week. We uh, have probably kicked the arse out of that. I think we probably have. I haven't I concluded anything. We've just had a bit of a moan. No. But, you I know, mean, what else are you tuning what in for? What I've concluded is the WRU are fucking despicable and fuck them forever. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if anything, the way they've, yeah. You talk about not defining the problem and being quite clear about it and then engaging with people about how they're going to solve it. It's just been an absolute joke. It was a full two... It's been a full week and a half, two weeks of people going, has anyone fucking heard anything yet? Yeah, and and basically... Do you remember when they actually did release something about the fucking five entities and all that shit that came out a few weeks ago? This is the thing I think has really upset people is that Martin Phillips, the former B&Q... Person, I don't know why we trusted somebody from fucking B and Q to sort bloody. He was from Texas, it'd have been different. Well, if you've been to B and Q, it's the most depressing place on the fucking planet. And why does nobody know anything about DIY? When and you can't it? find anything in there. Excuse it's me, like, pal. No. What kind of bracket do I need for this? No oh. idea. Yeah. Where is the? Oh, no idea. And yet, this is the man that we trusted to fucking sort out one of the complicated, most complicated fucking logistical, sports, politics, and management problems on the fucking planet. But. He sort of has been talking a very good game of, as you say, the five entities about everybody working together for a mutual benefit. And then he's turned around and basically been more of a cunt than Roger Lewis ever was and tried to basically... He hasn't got black shark eyes, though, like Roger Lewis has. That goes a long way, though. He hasn't. But he's basically, you know, the WIU has effectively tried to starve the Ospreys out, which is a hell of a way to treat one of your partners. And the only reason that this Scarlet's Ospreys merger is happening is because the Scarlets are looking at what they're doing to the Ospreys and going, that'll be us next. Because they're the only other region outside that, you know, if they have the Blues, the Dragons, and North Wales, the Scarlets will effectively be on their own as the only really independent region. And they will get exactly the same thing happening to them in about five years' time. So by getting the Ospreys on board, they've effectively gone. Well, we're if we're all of West Wales, we're a lot harder to fucking take down than if we're just Llanelli, which is a fucking unbelievable situation for a professional sports team to have to adopt with the region that's supposed to, the union that's supposed to look out for their interests. But here we are. Well, 
that's something to look forward to, isn't it? So let's <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> let's fi- uh, should we finish on shit good now? We haven't talked much yeah. about the rugby from the weekend because we wanted to get those big things out of the way. And the rugby yeah. from the weekend is going to be taken over by you guys for lovely sending in your shit good ratings. Yes. Uh, so let's do shit first so we can finish on good, shall we? Yeah, yeah. Shit, Patricia gets in touch. She says, Gustin, Augustin, piece of shit. I like that. That was good, yeah, that, I mean, wasn't it? She's laid a lot of fucking pipe to get there. She has that, yeah, but I'm... I'm, I mean, I'm you can have board. that one, Patricia. It's borderline, but you can have it. I'm on board with that level of contrived pun. I always am. Um, Augustin shit show, I liked. I like that, yeah. That's a good one, isn't it? Jack Hurst gets in touch. He said, I feel this is quite niche, Jack, but you can have it. He said, shit, his team's not showing up and citing lack of numbers, but more than happy to play if we travel to them. We've all been in that situation, Jack. Yeah, yeah. On a Saturday. (laughs) You bastards. I can only send five. To be fair, though, I, you know, if I went back to rugby now, I think I'd be in a situation where we said, I'm just, I'm only playing home games. I'm sorry. Oh, fuck yeah. Fucking no chance no of my travelling away. Especially, I live in North Wales, playing North Wales. I'm not going to fucking Clangevney on a Saturday. You can fuck off. Um, James gets in touch. He said, shit is Leicester. Especially their line-out, which looks like the market stall challenge from The Apprentice. <laughs> to be honest with you, the, le- <laughs> the end of that Leicester Wasps game, was incredibly annoying and unsatisfactory. Yes, just, it was, wasn't it? It was just like, for God's sake, that can't be the rules. But it is. <laughs> yes. <sighs> yeah. Looks like they're going to claw the way out, though, don't they? Because, you know, yeah. Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, what else have we got this shit from the weekend? I've lost, me, I've lost me notes. Here we are. Shit is, Martin North says, shit is everything to do with Bath. Everything. Except Jack Mercer and Jonathan Joseph and Ali Brew, obviously. But even that shit, because he needs his arm reoperated on. And what is what are they doing? Like, I assume in Bath they're going to a very nice hospital, and yet both Falatau and Ali Brew have broken their arms, come back, and then had to go back for more surgery to sort out their broken arms. And Martin makes that point. He says, "Like Falatau, where the fuck are they sending them to a shit carpenter <laughs> to fix their arms?" Yeah, yeah. David Mullen also said, "Was shit for Bath for throwing it away after eighty minutes again." Yeah. yeah, I mean You'll that you know you. happens once is bad luck in it, but after that you just got nowhere. You 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 don't have any of my sympathies right now, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could be worse. You could be the Ospreys. Stop yeah. moaning. What else have we got? This shit. Jamie Phillips gets in touch. He says, and loads of people have said this one in. He says, "Shit, Jiffy will not rest until he finds out what the Premier Sports viewing figures are." And Jamie set an example of Jiffy requesting what the view figures are on about six different occasions in the last three months. I loved Jiffy finally fucking snapping (laughs) on Saturday. When Ross Harris uh, Harris was like, join us for a, uh, you know, a packed day of whatever the fuck it is. Packed day of Jonas is some nice rugby. It'll be nice. Settle Settle in for a bumper double bill on Premier Sports. Uh, his response was, you kidding, no one watching for fuck's sake, stop the bullshit. But it's the fact that stop the bullshit is afterwards, because he obviously yeah. wrote, no one's fucking watching, and yeah. then he went away, was still fuming, and yeah. just came back and stop the bullshit. It's like, I get it, he must be really... I've only got seven punditry jobs now, because of you. 
Yeah, uh, he must be annoyed to be the only person who is employed by BBC Wales who hasn't been <laughs> brought on board by previous <laughs> thoughts. But I think that's probably because BBC pay him to do the rugby league as well. So, you know, you probably ain't got time. Exactly. But yeah, it's, but very... it's still funny how bitter he is. It's, yeah, he's really fuming, isn't he? And he's obsessed with it. I mean, there's something interesting in saying why they never say what the viewing figures are. They just keep saying, well, our subscriptions are better than we expected. Well, did you expect five subscriptions and you've got 30? You know, he's kind of... <laughs> yeah, it is a, it's a weird one, isn't it? Like, uh, Although why he's anyway. so worked up about it, I don't know. I think he sees it as the death knell of rugby, does he? Because nobody's watching. How can people be that upset? And I know people, right, I've, you know, I'm not going to speak to people's economic situation. But I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure most people who watch a bit of rugby can probably make a decision about a tenner in a month. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm not, and I'm not saying it's easy for a lot of people. Some people it's not so easy, but there's probably a decision that can be made. And the people who really can't afford it are probably quite a small percentage. Yeah. You know, which must be They're... shit, but it's quite a small percentage. So yeah. the idea well, you I'm pay well, a tenner to basically watch, you can watch your team every time they play yeah. in the league. And you I can mean, do it on demand and you can do all that kind of shit. Unless they stop existing, but yeah. Unless... <laughs> That's his just response to everything. <laughs> but yeah, no. Josh is well, the premier sports thing is, you know. Josh is the I John Snow now of rugby. Yeah, Do you want to go so. down the pub, Josh? Never mind that. The Ospreys <laughs> are going to be dead soon. Uh, the South remembers. <laughs> I see you quite fancy that woman, do you, John? I've got no time for that. I've looked the dead king in the eye. <laughs> That's Josh now. <laughs> Just want to go. Yeah. Um, do something nice today, love. I've no time for that. I've looked the ospreys in the eye and they're dying. Uh, you want? You I'll want stop teasing you. That is yeah. effectively how I am. <laughs> um, yeah, but no. For me, I don't even fucking notice. You know, a ten or a month because it's it's because we're just month. so fucking loaded on yeah. the Patreon I money. I and fuck all, but I yeah. I fritter so much money on stupid shit anyway. The, the tenor though. It's three coffees. Fucking, let's be straight. It's three coffees on. Stupid. It's two fucking. It's one and a half pints of fancy fucking lager in Bristol. If you're fucking lucky, you know it's what what it, to watch. Every... It's a bit like the pro rugby thing with Wales, isn't it? People make choices and then get pissed off because of the consequences of those choices. Mm. You know, Pontypridd chose not to go and watch Cardiff Blues or chose not to go and watch the Ospreys. People, not everyone. I think there's obviously people who do travel and, and all that. But that rump of people, it's like you had a choice to go and watch pro rugby. You decided yeah. not to take it yeah. for all manner of reasons that are solely your own fault. Yeah, nobody was fucking holding a gun to your head and saying you're not allowed to go and watch <laughs> these indeed. reasons. Oh. Yeah, anyway. Should we do good? Let's do good, shall we? Ellis Davis gets in touch. He says good. Is the Scarlet's defence versus Monster? Uh, yes, they were good. I saw that game. Yeah. Fuck me, it was dreadful. And I don't Honestly. blame them, because Honestly. did you see the weather? The weather was fucking abysmal. And they want it's to play like they all... were a tier two teams being pissed on by World Rugby from on high. <laughs> and they want to play all the fucking Scarlet Ospreys home games in that fucking shithole. Fuck that. <laughs> West uh, is best, Josh. It Sorry. doesn't, it doesn't mean <laughs> Um Never. Um, yeah, I mean, given the conditions, and uh, there were some people who were sort of basically poo-pooing the conditions. They were fucking atrocious. Like Three Red Kings was... on Twitter did actually um, 
send a sort of gif image with a, a non-filtered camera shot and said it was like this all game yeah. you don't see the raid because they have the filters don't they and and it's and it's true he said the point was you know all a lot of welsh fans could say off the back of that was how fucking dreadful the game was and he's actually no it was um, as ellis davis has pointed out a magnificent defensive performance which you should be very proud of you know yeah it's it's mad it's all so silly and weird and mad it's all um, silly and weird and mad. You're right. Yeah, like rugby at this time of year is is an absolute lottery. Yeah, you know, thank last... God we didn't try and cover a global season, by the way, in the beefy issues. We'd have been here for three hours. But you look at, you know, last week we had glorious sunshine. It was like watching rugby in the summer again. That was, and weird, it was great, though, wasn't it? Weird. And, yeah, and it was weird. But then a week later... We're effectively watching it in a fucking monsoon, and therein lies the silliness of rugby at this time of year. It's all just a bit but, mad. All part of rugby's Brilliant. rich tapestry, isn't it? Brilliant, indeed. Uh, Will Matthewman gets in touch. Hello, Will. He says, "Good is the Gloucester medical professionals racing on and stopping Hines from playing." Yes, he I said. Agree in with that. Shit, was everyone getting into a big frothy wank just because they basically did their job? <laughs> uh, on both parts, completely agree. Absolutely yeah. agree. Colin Hodgkiss gets in tough. He says, "Good is the Sun Wolves winning in New Zealand." Right, they did. Even with Phil Hurley, the Midlothian Hammer Burley on the uh, bench. <laughs> is he really playing for them now? Yeah. Wow. Wow. No, because he's on the bench. Because he's yeah. too dangerous. <laughs> that right hand of his that floored Pascal Pape can't be unleashed. Yeah. You know, on the Chiefs, it'll just be no. too much. Not just, you know, not willy-nilly. This, this is super <laughs> rugby. It's basically touch rugby. They can't have that. But yeah, but fantastic. Rugby Quinns <laughs> yeah. gets in touch. It says, good is being taken to futuristic Racing Dome in Paris mm-hmm. to see them play La Rochelle. Great views. Racing were amazing, especially Teddy Tomat and Chavancy. He said, however, shit was the seven euros for hope for 400 CL. That can't be CL. It must That's be ML. Yeah, that's got if if it's forty seven euros. Seven forty C are you winning there? Yeah. Four hundred milliliters milliliters of Heineken and those bloody horns in every breaking play. No chance. Is that the way that one? Is that the horns? Uh probably. The kind of call and response thing. Yeah. But yeah, I well, I've not been there, but yeah, it'd be a good trip that. It's quite easy to get to Paris as well. I still want to go to Claremont, that's my big thing, but it's such a pain in the ass to get to. That's the thing. It's like French. You got to fly to Lyon, I think, and then get the train to Claremont. It's a bit of a. You can fly internally, I think, but I don't know. It's a bit much, isn't it? Anyway, Michael Sinclair also gets a touch. He says, "Good is Ulster Rugby's player recruitment over the last few weeks. Best decisions in years, and we'll be happy to take Leinster's overspill continuously." He says. Well, apparently, more things are coming. Uh, to Ulster. Like- uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, what's his face? Jack McGrath, apparently. Going yes, there that's probably what he's referring to, yeah. yeah. Um, Colin McBride gets in touch. He said, good was Ramiro Maiano. Yes. He's glorious. He's what rugby's all about. The Jaguarez winger. He could step uh, a defender. The Jaguarez in general were fucking great against the Blues. Creevy's they... knacked himself, hasn't he? Yes, but it was a nice blend of their usual batshittery that I've come to expect, but also they were fucking monstrous in the scrum as well. And it's like, there it is. That's, that's what we what said, that yeah. Team, that's what that team should fucking be. It's like The game ended with a knock-on on the uh, Haguaro's line with the Blues looking for uh, 
the winning try. And then you presuming that the Haguares would just easily win their scrum and boot it off the park. Somehow losing that scrum and having a penalty go the other way. The Blues then opting to scrum and then Haguares pushing them off their own ball and then kicking it out, which is exactly how I want games to end at all times now. All Absolutely. games should end by the a team, a defensive team pushing an attacking team off their own fucking ball in the shadow of the posts. Sean Troy gets in touch. He says, good is Leinster having produced another top draw open side in Max Deegan. Yeah, seriously, they're just taking the fucking piss now. Yeah, no, it's... He said, well, I was worried because we were starting to look short with Sean O'Brien going. We we were down to our last 800. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get fucked. He said, also good is Uruguay beating the USA. Yes. Thus making World Rugby look like absolute fucking wallies. I don't think it was that that did that, to be fair, but it certainly, yeah, uh, I mean, it certainly put a tall hat on it. It has absolutely not helped. Graham Golding gets in touch. He says, good is the match between Benetton and Edinburgh. And only yes. thinks the Pro 14 lacks intensity, particularly during the international window, needs to watch that match. It was fucking great. And it was a genuinely great three, game. So, are, are turning into a fucking revelation. They are, aren't they? That'd be a good game. That'd be a good trip to take as well, I think. A Treviso game. Yeah, yeah. Treviso game in the spring. Yes, please. Yeah. Oh, lovely. You know, just sort of maybe, you know, a late season one. Maybe a derby. Yes. Go and watch Treviso against Zebra. Drive around in a Fiat 500. Yeah, drive off the, you know, in a nice sort of like Mediterranean in, in sort of mid-April, you know, balmy 20 degrees sort of territory. I mean... With a lemon pasta. going to be better than Judgment Day, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, that's going to be a glorious day. <laughs> We're going to do it fucking Irish wake style, Josh. I absolutely am going to get... <laughs> I'm going to find the oldest fucking Osprey shirt I own. I'm going to get apocalyptically drunk and hurl abuse at Martin Phillips. <laughs> Or anybody who looks like Martin anybody Phillips, who anybody like who has the name Martin or Phillips, are all going to be in the in the crossfire. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go into the nearest B and Q, which I believe is out on City Road, and I'm just going to start abusing people. Dave Price says, "Finally, good it was the atmosphere at Ashton Gate on Friday night for for that cracking Bristol Gloucester game." Plus, he said I had a, a spankingly good pasty. What was in it, Dave? We need a bit more detail. They, they do do good pasties, Dave. What's in them? Do they have a selection or is it one pasty only? Oh, uh, they've got a selection. You can take your pick. I mean, That's they've got the classic yeah, Cornish. I, I, they've got a cheese and onion. They've got a, a, a straight-up steak one, which I'll be honest with you, I think if you're going to have a straight-up steak pasty, you might as well go traditional. Yeah. You've already got the steak there. <laughs> I like him. To... See, I used to like Clark's pies. There's only one kind. <laughs> yeah, you get Clark's pies. Clark's, Clark's pies. I, what, what kind of pies do they do? Clark's ones. No, but what what was, kind of pies are they? They're Clark's pies. Yeah, I was, I was both confused and slightly delighted when I obviously moved from uh, from Cardiff to Bristol that chip shops did Clark's pies yeah. in Bristol. Yes, but they're different to the Cardiff Clark's pies because. Basically, in the twenties, one of the Clark's family oh, left. Is this like Puma and Adidas, left. but low rent is, version? Yeah, they left. They left Cardiff and took the pie recipe with them, and then they got a shop in Bedminster in Bristol where they make. Well, well, I love a bit of fucking pie this, history, me. Yeah, this is belting. Yeah. yeah, so like the Clark, it's exactly the same. You know, the recipe is exactly the same as the the Cardiff Clark's pie. 
Well, I live in Grangetown. There was a Clark's Pie shop that only sold Clark's pies and nothing else. It was like properly. It was like in a terraced house. You go in, there was like a little hatch you to serve the pies through. Yeah, it was belting. Yeah. When they're hot though, they're fucking impossible to eat. No, it's it's. I don't know what they do to make them so hot inside. It's there's a lot of filling. They're about an inch deep, aren't they? That oval shape. And there's a sort of. It's weird. There's like a. A density, you know, it's sort of like a, it's like a neutron star in there. It's so hot and it's so dense. <laughs> and you're sucked towards it's it. Like, it's like some sort of nuclear fusion in pie form. It's a fucking Clark's pie. Clark's pie. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, and on that note, Josh, it's. I'd like to say it's been fun. So well, but it's I just, not. I just gone onto the Bristol Clark's Pies website and the most recent uh, tweet that Clark's Pies Bristol have done is... Chicken Balti Trials. Watch this space, winky face. Brilliant. Hello. We um Yeah. Do you do they do in Bristol uh steak puddings in the chippy? No. They don't even they don't like, do, they, they then, don't... I get, well, then I get looked at weirdly when I ask for half and half fucking rice and chips with curry sauce. Because they so, do yeah. steak puddings in the northwest, but they don't do them in North Wales and it's still not infiltrated infiltrated. No, I don't think it ever will. The only thing you're gonna get in chip shops in Wales are pies, fish, fish, cod, sausage. Obviously, cod, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Haddock, if you're lucky. Sausages, battered sausages, faggots, done. No faggots in North Wales. Really? Well, this no. part of North Wales, no, no faggots. Cheese pie occasionally, curry yeah. gravy, obviously. Curry gravy, obviously, goes without saying. Um, should we briefly do our weekend's predictions just to piss certain people off who will be angry that we've not backed or backed their team? Um, we could do. I was going to leave it because we're so late. We're very quick predictions then, shall we? Uh, okay. England. Are playing Italy? Yes. Right, okay, that's England. That's England. Uh, I think Scotland are going to get absolutely fucking battered. Battered. Really? Absolutely they've battered. They've got the mish back. No. They've got, they've no, I'm got not all listening. their players back. They're going to win quite comfortably. Listen, Scotland listen. Scotland listeners. Listen, Scottish listeners. Listen. These Welsh players listen. are literally... Spending all week in meetings. Well, they're not about sleeping, they're worried about paying the mortgages. Yes, exactly. You're going to fucking batter us. Don't worry. Listen to me, Scottish listeners. This is what I'm saying. I'm <laughs> saying that Scotland are going to get absolutely battered this weekend. And no logic's going to deter me from this conclusion. They are going to in celebration after they beat Wales on the weekend. Um, and I think Ireland are going to win as well. Uh, yeah, it's in Dublin, isn't it? It is in Dublin. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it'll be closer than it would have been a couple of weeks ago, but it still should be quite comprehensive. I'd yes. say. And done, Finn. Scotland are going to get battered. I just want to make that point again. So After I don't want to get any shit on Twitter this weekend. Whatever happens, I want to get no shit yeah. on Twitter because I'm saying Scotland are going to get battered. Yeah, going to get battered in celebration. Greg's going to have his tie around his head again because they've beaten Wales. Thank you all, and we'll speak to you all soon. <laughs> Take care, Goodbye. The one and only Sausage and Egg McMuffin from McDonald's. With a freshly cracked free-range egg, perfectly seasoned sausage and oozing cheese. Mm, that's unreal. What she said. McDonald's. Breakfast. 
done properly. Sports Social Podcast Network.